No Block, No Rock, Season 2, Episode 6, back in the No Block, No Rock studios, a.k.a. Mike's nice basement. We're back. Hey, this is where it all started. This and it started. Hey, we didn't put all this work and all the soundproofing in this room to not utilize it. We do love recording at the tap room, but it is nice to be back home, a little bit more comfortable. I feel more like secure in here. Yeah, and I mean, it is nice that all three of us are sitting on the couch here holding hands, getting ready to talk a little Nebraska football, too. So, Oh, yeah. the Just the love in here is just, it's unreal. Well, look, when uh, before we started recording, we're like, gosh, like, what do we talk about? You know, how do we try to, you know, sp- the last thing we want to do is just make this a Nebraska bashing podcast. Like, after so much time and so much episodes, so much talking, it's draining after a while. And so, like, yeah, of course, there was positives to take, but it's just when you look at the scoreboard, I mean, it doesn't lie, especially yeah. after a sample size that's this big. It'd be one thing if it was an aberration, if it just happened every once in a while, but it's a it's a common theme to where when I, that kick went through the uprights in overtime, you know, I wasn't like, oh, my God. Yeah, I was disappointed, duh, but it's just, again, when you're a Nebraska fan, things are looking very well, things are looking up, you see the dub at the end of the tunnel, but then you know you keep making your way through the tunnel, something's going to jump out at you and eat you up or something. Well, I I just want to get to the point where we don't have to keep looking over our shoulder. If you ever have just a big enough lead that you don't have to look back, like that's what I would love to see from this team. Because I think the potential's there. That, that's the weird part is the Michigan State game is just like, God, we just it felt like we were going to win the game. And, you know, we, we kind of just were dominating. And just I never had that feeling in my stomach, though, that we won, like that we were going to win the game. I, yeah. I just haven't had that feeling in a long time with Nebraska football in general is that a league can never be big enough. And we, again, find new ways, sometimes – the same concept, but we find new ways to lose games. It's all new, but it's very familiar. A hundred percent. I yeah. like the way you said that. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think, you know, as this is kind of like our intro for the episode today, um, you know, Jared, when he says like, you know, we're just exhausted and it just takes a lot out of you. You guys have to understand we, we do. We spend a lot of time talking about Nebraska football outside of the, the episode to kind of get to prep us for each week's episode. And uh, I don't know. We're just like, yeah, we're just like exhausted from just knowing how good we can be and then just knowing that with four minutes left in the game, you have a chance to just end it all and you somehow end up losing with like a 90% chance of winning. So I think, so mm-hmm. fellas, do we want to start off like we usually do looking at these games with the positives, yeah. the things that we took away with it, and then mm-hmm. and then kind of move into the disaster? Yeah, I, I think uh, we're not one to beat on a you know beat on the team there were there was a lot of good takeaways from this this game and and obviously we can just start with the the obvious thing the defense they played their asses off you know blood sweat and tears again blood sweat and tears were on the field there is zero reason that you can give up one first down in the second half absolutely dominate the the leading rusher in college football and make him look like an absolute fool all game to come out with a loss, it just makes you sick to your stomach. But let's talk about those positives from the defense. Jared, what did yeah. what is your take from that defense? The one thing I was worried about was Kenneth Walker, you know, pounding through us and going for 150 plus. Dude, not even close. Like, what, the longest run came in OT, you know, after the damage was pretty much done. It's just what they held him to 19 carries for 61 yards. Dude, I mean... What more do you want? You intercept Peyton Thorne on the first drive. Markel dismute. You know, a duck floating floating over the middle. He catches it. Okay, like you get a takeaway. You hold this dude to well under 70 yards. Like, what more do you want? The defense is sitting there. Yeah. I can only imagine just how frustrating it is for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think 
the best way that we can like point out just how good this performance was is you got Pat Fitzgerald this week going, that was probably one of the best defensive performances he's ever seen in his career. Okay, that says a lot. That dude is smart. He is a smart football coach. So for him to come out and say something like that, I mean, obviously he's probably he's probably talking it up just a little bit because you know he wants to show his respect. But yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen such a dominant second half performance. Five yards outside of like you know like two thousand nine Nebraska yeah. with like Sue and those guys. Even then, even like, then, I don't know that I've ever seen Nebraska hold like a Big Ten opponent to fourteen yards or whatever it was. A guy that you know we've we've clowned on a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was just, about to get on there too. You know, Garrett Nelson. Yeah, like the dude. I mean, he's so much more improved, and you, the defensive line in general, just like they're fundamentally sound. They don't. They're not over pursuing dudes. You got Reimer flying all over the place, coming up with big stops. Even Heinrich was all over the place, too. Like, the inside backers, just in general, they were playing their asses off. And just to piggyback on what you're saying about Garrett Nelson, we have been on this podcast many times just shooting shit about Garrett Nelson, and I am, like, the ringleader of that. (laughs) I I personally didn't think that he was athletic enough. I think he had the motor to be a great player. Right. But I never thought that I would be completely wrong. I was way off. Uh, I'm taking I'm taking my lumps now. I mean, Garrett Nelson has drastically improved in the pass rush game, which I was thoroughly shocked. I did not think he had a pass rush bone in his body. Yeah, like I said, big motor, but I just didn't think he had the athleticism to play at this level. Or maybe like the football smarts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the thing was is like if everybody had the same motor as Garrett Nelson, this defense could be even better, which is really hard to like process in my brain right now. But it's like I said, I, I'm gonna take and point the thumb here. This is 100%. I was 100% wrong. And, you know, I think maybe Scott Frost should take some some notes here about maybe pointing the thumb and less fingers at people. But on the flip side, if we're sticking on the positive thing and mm-hmm. whatnot, it's like, what else is he supposed to do? <laughs> you can't you can't punt it for him, for, you know, for your punter. And I want to mm-hmm. stick on the defense, you know, but just something to think about when we get later into this conversation and, and for you listeners that are just sitting there. What else do you want Scott Frost to do? He can't punt the ball. He tried two different punters. He's tried multiple kickers. What else is he supposed to do? I understand he is the guy in charge. He should have fired Verdusco and hired a full-time special teams coordinator. We've beat that drum enough on this show. But just keep that in mind as we navigate through this episode is tell us with a right mind what a head coach is. What else is he supposed to do? Well, I think some people would answer, and this would include myself. Um, you're ultimately responsible for the talent acquisition. And in year four, if you can't find a freaking punter, I mean, they scoured the the outback of Australia and found this guy. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be punting next week. I wouldn't. I can't. I'm mad. After the way he like roasted him after the game, <laughs> he did roast him. He did. He's like, yeah, he, <laughs> I'm just, I've never seen somebody miss their target by 40 yards. I can't see how he's going to tote him back out there. Yeah. But, well, I mean, you're ultimately responsible for the dudes you put on the field. And if you've got guys who are making freshmen-like mistakes. Well, Cerny is you know, a freshman. Uh, well, I just mean not just him, but I just mean the team in general. That's Like, if you want to look at the O-line, yeah, they're kind of young. But you're ultimately responsible for the dudes that you put on the field. So, yeah, yeah I know he can't physically go out there and play anymore, but. You know, that's just, I think that's an argument that someone would say. Yeah. 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 And we'll, we'll jump into it later. I mean, but, you know, Kyle, you've been kind of loaded up on these positives and you, you really looked at the metrics on this game. He really studied. Kyle is our A plus student today on NBNR. <laughs> so, yeah. Kyle, let's, let's break down that dominant defensive performance. What did you see? What did you like from that performance? Cause, we're sticking on the positives right now. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think um, looking at like the linebackers, kind of like what we were we were just talking about. I want to bring up that that fourth down play by Michigan State. It was like a, it was like a zone read, right? He faked the handoff to Walker, and just about the whole defense bit on Walker, mm-hmm. obviously. But there was one guy, one, one guy, guy mm-hmm. that stayed back and stayed home. And the reason for that, JoJo got that tackle, stopped the fourth down conversion. And the reason he got that is because he was smart enough to understand he was too far away from the play, even if he wanted to 
go after Walker. Okay. He was on the completely opposite side. So the only person he could have stopped and, and had eyes on or could have been in within touching distance was the quarterback. And instead of him going after a play that he knows he wasn't going to get, he stayed home, realized that the quarterback had the ball and stopped it on fourth and one. So I think one of the biggest positives on this defense is just how smart this front seven is. And that's to include, uh, Reimer and Heinrich. Like those guys are young, right? So they're learning from the smarts of like Jojo Doman. And I just think that they're, they're seeing everything very clearly. And they're kind of like, they're using common sense. JoJo was not going to get to Walker. He knew that his defense, everybody bit on Walker. There was one person that could have stopped him, and that was JoJo. A couple things on that in particular. I mean, you, you bring up some good points that come to my mind. It's just, you got guys who, it just doesn't seem like any defenders are playing like hero ball. Like, no one's going out there trying to do more than their job is. And when you have... Like I think that's a play that if if it were certain Bo Pelini games or Riley games, dude's going for 20, 25 yeah. the other way. And you have JoJo who's in his 30th year there and he's just like, oh, I'm staying home. I'm camping out, seeing what's happening on this side. And yeah. uh, it just so happened that he got him for like a four-yard loss or something. Yeah. And yeah. Well, and it just goes back to, well, this is year 30 for him and- He's just doing his job. He knows where he's supposed to be. And that's where early in Scott Frost's tenure and stuff, you talk about like gap assignment. And it's like, hey, you guys got to be in the right spot. You know, we called the right defense, but sometimes a guy's not in the right spot and they break off a big run, you know, and we've seen those plays go south. And this is a perfect example of somebody using their eyes, being in the right spot, not biting on the the read and going after the nation's leading rusher, mm-hmm. he stayed home and he made a play. And it was a big turning point in the game. So, yeah, I mean, that was I'm glad you brought up that play. That was it was a huge momentum swing. And I know Jared and I were sitting in my garage jumping up and down and we were pretty fired up after that stop. Throwing the damn bones. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot. So overall, I just think this defense is is very smart. The front seven, especially, mm-hmm. um, you yeah. know, I think I think that. It is. I, I'm excited for the future because one of my biggest concerns was that this defense was so old. You know, everybody coming back from the COVID year. The last thing that I want is for next year to come around, us lose 80% of our production yeah. and then see a huge dip in defense. But I think that they're all kind of moving in the right direction. You see Reimer running all the way across the field. Again, it was a fourth down play. Uh, and Reimer came all the way across the field and stopped Walker on, you know, two yards short. Like, it's just stuff like that. It, mm-hmm. The effort and the smarts there, I think, is really impressive. Well, and the only score they even legitimately had on this defense was a trick play. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think- against, against, uh, Miles Farmer. Miles Farmer. Miles Farmer. Yeah. Yeah. Miles Farmer. So, so that was a, a clear target. Like, once they saw him come in, they're like, okay, we could probably run this. Probably, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, it was just one of those things, though, like the fact that Michigan State, were they were so out of sorts because our defense was so well coached and they were playing so well. Stopping the run. I mean, they were – the fact that they had to run a trick play, and you know what? It worked, so good for them. But it's crazy to think about how dominant this defense has been since week zero. I mean, Really, like, and yeah. before we were talking about, you know, if they have a top 25 defense or whatever – I'm at the point now where I'm saying Nebraska could finish in the top 10 in defense. Well, hey, I mean, I'm glad you bring up like rankings because in the whole power index of ESPN, I'm not going to sit here and say this is how they calculate it. Like, I don't know, like war in baseball. I don't know how they calculate it. You just you just go by the number and, <laughs> and you just use it for bullshit arguments, right? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you look at Nebraska's defense and their rating. They're in the top 20. They're 19th. So, like, again, I think that we're, like, grasping at straws a little bit. Like, as long as they're in 19th, dude, you're watching the games. The eye test is telling you that this defense is pretty good. Like, run defense, their corners are they're f- fine. Like, what more can they do? Right. You, they have to be just like, we came back, yo. And yeah. We wanted to, we wanted to go to a bowl game at least. Yeah, and it's just if it keeps going the way it is, you just have to be a little discouraged if you're on defense, man. Yeah, yeah. you got to be just. What more can I do? Yeah. So let's uh, let's transition to the offensive side of the ball. Anything that caught your guys' eye as far as a positive goes? Adrian Martinez again. 
Again. I mean, showing up. Uh, I saw a stat. You know, he got sacked nine times in the game. He got pressured 18 times. He got hit two times. And he was pressured on 57% of the time he dropped, dropped back to pass. Now, you could say a couple things with that. You could say, okay, he holds the ball too long, so they could probably count that as a pressure or and whatnot. The dude was running for his life, mm-hmm. making good plays, and he maybe had a couple arid throws. But, I mean, when you don't have legs as a quarterback, let's think about this for, uh, for a little bit. When Adrian's running for his life and buying time, and he maybe misses a guy high, it goes back to those mechanics. They, they fall off a little bit because you don't have your legs underneath you. And before, you know, we could talk about Adrian, you know, <laughs> Could not throw a good ball, and he wasn't very accurate and stuff. Now we're at the point now where Adrian has been poised in the pocket, making plays, making all the right decisions, and honestly, he he played well enough to win the game. Again, if if you analyze this game and you're like, Adrian, damn it, you're, you're way off, wrong, way off, you're way off base. Like, yeah, were there a few dudes streaking down the middle that were a little bit open? Yeah, probably over time. Yeah, especially. Sure. But when your O-line is doing you negative favors, like every time you take a snap, you're expecting a dude in your grill every play. Like that's that's just natural human instinct. Like when dudes are all up in your face, that's what you're going to be expecting. And you're going to overthrow guys every once in a while. And Adrian's not perfect by any means. Like our best play is him improvising and just – trying to find getting 60 yards or something like yeah that's our yeah. best play dude and it's unfortunate but yeah. that's the way our offensive line is but positives adrian again you cannot blame him at all nope. nope i mean and i've been saying that since the beginning i've always said adrian is not the problem and then walking in to the season everybody's hyping up this offensive line and stuff and i'm like mm, i don't know man but yeah so positives one thing that it caught my eye rewatching the game today uh before before we started recording <clears throat> samori torre is smart okay he's a smart wide receiver and the reason i say that is because on a couple different situations it's like third and six third and eight and something that i regularly see in college football and even in the pros is a wide receiver that needs eight yards but stops his route six yards down the field And then he has to try to fight for the extra two yards. Samori Torre, that dude's going out there getting eight or nine yards because he knows he needs eight, turning around and catching the football. It's something that I think goes underrated and not a lot of people realize or notice, but it's something that caught my eye because over and over again, and especially at Nebraska, you see guys, you need eight yards, I'm going to run a route that's five. Like, know where you're at, get to the the line again and and catch the ball. Yeah, I mean, he he is like, that savvy kind of grizzled guy that you can usually depend on. You look at that final play of overtime when we had the ball. Yeah, that was it's that like, was could tough. You, could you run a better route? Probably, maybe. You know, make it a little sharper. One thing that struck me about that play in overtime, and right before the second half too, he was saying in overtime that he wanted to be aggressive, right? This was at the end of the game he said that. He wanted to be aggressive. But then you look at the end of the second half where he had a couple timeouts left. Adrian got, I believe he got sacked. And then they were just like, you know what? Let's just go into the locker room. Yeah. Because Scott said one thing went wrong and I. He was afraid. He didn't, he didn't want, like there was more negative things that could have happened than positive, right? Yeah. No fear of failure, right? uh, He's contradicting himself twice in one game. Yeah. And the way that your defense is playing, like technically, wouldn't you want to be a little less aggressive? Because if your defense is stout, they're probably not going to give up a touchdown. I don't know. I just thought it was contradictory because it is. And and, I could could play armchair quarterback and be like, hey, you should have went by your mantra, no fear of failure, and been aggressive before the half was ending, right? But then your offensive line sucks. So, yeah, I get it. He doesn't trust his offensive line to protect Adrian. And if we know Adrian, he fumbles sometimes. And so, yeah, I get it. It's just frustrating, man. I think if you're looking at, okay, we've got Tommy Armstrong and Amir Abdullah in the backfield, and you've got that offensive line, I would bet 
all my savings that Scott Frost goes tries to go down there and, and score the touchdown, okay? But when you continuously see over and over again that this offense doesn't have like a clutch gene in them, it is very contradictory that he is no fear of failure, and then you're like, well, I was afraid that something bad would happen. Like, <laughs> I get that. And you could see on the field, Adrian was visibly upset. He was looking at, I, I don't know who the running back was at the time, but he was looking at him and he's like, what the fuck? Like, what are mm-hmm. we doing? Like no call, no timeout. Like he was he was ready to go down and try to, to try to make a play. But even well, if you I'm, did, can you trust Culp to kick a fifty yarder? Yeah. So apparently Culp was failing himself during that game. Apparently he was he was disappointed that Coach Frost wasn't aggressive. Which is you know that's cool. At least my the kicker's not on the sidelines going. Oh God, I hope. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, yeah. I'm gonna go out and kick a <laughs> kick a duck. Well, and my thing is, is okay, this this offense and the Scott Frost regime is this fast, 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 right? This should be second nature to them to be able to run this offense fast. And I understand when he got sacked, there wasn't a whole lot of time left, but you had timeouts. You had plenty of time if in, you wanted to be aggressive. In, in college football, you had... Eternity, basically. Yeah, probably much, pretty much an eternity of, of time. And the fact that you went away from your no fear of failure and decided that it would be in our best interest to go into overtime lose the toss and then lose the game to me it just it doesn't sit right because you have a four-year starter at quarterback you have the best receivers that you've ever had here you've been talking about it we have more talent than we've ever had here and then the fact that you are too scared after a punt return that sucked the air out of this team that's what it came down to was that he he wasn't worried about the offense making mistakes after they had the sack I don't think he was worried about the offense I think he was worried about the mentality of the team as a as a whole because the, they were deflated. Okay, I'm sorry. I just have to jump in. I have to. Go ahead. Because go ahead. when you're... Dude, okay. So the example I always turn to is Harbaugh going up to Lamar. You want to go for it. Yeah, he knows in his head he wants to go for it. Coach Harbaugh does. John Harbaugh. Yeah. You want to go for it? Let's go for it. Let's go. Hell yeah. Like, you're telling your team that you believe in them. And God damn it, we're going to take some action and put it in our own hands. Right? Yeah. Let's let's be proactive and let's let's believe in ourselves for a freaking change instead of keep saying, We just need the ball to bounce our way. Yeah. Okay, so the interception that you got on the first possession, was that would you consider that a bounce? I think because that's a break. That's a that's a break, isn't it? A yes. dude lost one up right to dismilk. Why can't that be your break? Why can't that accelerate you and throttle you to victory? Why can't that be your break? But no, you need a couple more breaks, don't you? Yeah. Oh, boy. I yeah. mean, it's just you're telling your team that you're a freaking cuck and that you guys are a bunch of cucks. You guys are going to fuck up. So, you know what? I'm playing it safe. Yeah. I mean, what does that do for the mentality of your team? Try to get out of Oklahoma. Yeah, you played great. But it's just this thing permeates through your through your team. And it's just, yeah, I'm glad the defense. It seems like the defense... I mean, are they saying F you to Scott every time they go out there? I don't know. Maybe it feels like this way they're playing. It's the offense is gonna screw things up, but we're gonna we're gonna be the bastions of the team. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean you I mean you you bring up a good point. Um I think I think that the team is hurting. You like after the game, Jojo comes out and he's like, Man, this is a this is a tough one to fight through. I think it might have even been like the Monday press conference. He's like, Yeah, this one is this is a tough one to work through. And all that tells me is everybody's like, well, fuck, if coach doesn't trust us to try to go down there and win it, like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I do agree with you, Jared. I, I think that, I think it was, it was a spineless call. I You can call it smart. You can do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, you're out there to win football games. And the best opportunity that you had to win that football game was with two timeouts, 30 seconds on your own 40 yard line. Okay. Mm-hmm. You needed 30 yards. Yeah. Give, 30 yards, two timeouts. Give Connor Culp a freaking chance. If Colt misses it, fine. Who cares? Like, then you go to overtime and the that, same thing could have happened. It's okay. It's and, just like, I know the offensive line sucks. I know. Scott, I know, dude. But Jesus Christ, man. Grow a pair. This is sad. Like, this dude comes here. As a player, he runs over dudes. He finishes runs. He doesn't go out of bounds. He's a hard-nosed QB. Runs the option. Takes hits. Doesn't miss a snap. 
But then as a coach, he's just a, a little turtle, I guess. And Soft. It goes in a shell. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. Okay, I know. It's a referendum on Frost. Every game is a... We have to analyze it. And is this his last game? Is he going to fire assistance? You know... It's just frustrating, man. Draining. Well, you're, it you're, sucks. You're seeing it. I mean, I think after the last two games, you are absolutely seeing a transition between Oregon, Scott Frost, UCF, Scott Frost, and the Big Ten, Nebraska, Scott Frost. There is a big difference in the way that he is calling games and the way that he is managing games now compared to, I mean, hell, even probably the beginning of the season. Like, long, sustainable drives, like taking a bunch of time off the clock. Um, So I think you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you don't try to go for it at at the end of the, the fourth quarter, everybody's saying, oh, you have no balls. And if you do try to go for it and you throw a pick six, that was the stupidest shit. Why didn't you just take it to overtime? Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. There's no right, right decision there. Um, and after we've seen Adrian get sacked, fumbled, it's just I don't. It's know. It's happened. Yeah, it's happened. Yeah. yeah, it's just he coaches in such a way that it's he is a walking, self fulfilling prophecy. He expects bad things to happen, and they happen. Yeah, right. It, it's tough. I mean, it is. It is literally hard to stomach some of the play because you are just seeing guys put everything they have out there on every play. And then for your head coach to not have your back and, and, and have faith that you're going to get the job done. You're practicing best practices ever, best, this, best, that, you know, if, if you're practicing and you should have nothing but confidence in your four year starter, you should have nothing but confidence in your your captain. He's been the captain more than any player in Nebraska football history. If you don't have the confidence in that guy, the guy that you chose over Joe Burrow, the guy you chose over getting a grad transfer or anything like this, you handpicked this guy, and he's finally showing his potential again. It took a while, but he's showing his potential again. Mm-hmm. The fact that you cannot trust him enough to make plays and win you the game it it's sickening i think maybe maybe it is that on one hand right but i i think it's leaning more towards the o-line and just how that leads to mistakes being made like i don't think it's him necessarily saying oh adrian's gonna screw up but it's just like when your offensive line does you zero favors like you, you go back to Illinois to that scoop and score, and it's like, oh boy, it's going to happen again. And he's Lansing this time, but like the offensive line, okay? Like one of our one of our listeners suggested, you know, let's talk about the O line and the difference between them going hat on hat versus pulling. Yeah. What do you guys think about the offensive line in that regard? Okay. If you want to talk about hat on hat versus pulling, every time our offensive line pulls with help of our tight ends and we're getting the ball on the edges, we're moving the ball. That's the only time that we have any source of pulse to of running the ball on this offense. Between the tackles is a it is ghost an absolute, town. It's an absolute disaster. Yeah. There Greg Austin is living by a, a thread right now. Oof. And and it really sucks because he's a Nebraska guy. He went here blah blah blah, you know. It is what it is. But Scott's going to be getting phone calls about, you know, at the end of the season about this offensive line. If Scott can somehow salvage this season, and even if he wins six games, I don't see Greg keeping his job. There is going to have to be a big shakeup on this staff after this season. But in regards to polling and hats on hat, it is just, it's terrible. It's not even fun to watch because you run in between the tackles, you're getting maybe two yards at most. But if you move the ball outside, even though you're becoming more predictable, but if you move the ball outside, you're getting a few more yards, you know, five, six yards. And Ramir Johnson played okay when he was out, you know, able to use his speed on the edges. But man, it is just it's brutal. It is. It's it, so hard. It's hard to watch because you got all the size. These are big 10 linemen. You can't blame the strength coach. These guys are all huge. These guys, there is not a lack of strength and size or anything. I think when first, Scott first got here, you could blame that a little bit. Some of the guys were undersized. Maybe they didn't fit the the Big Ten scheme in general. 
you can't use that anymore. These guys are big. They are they are strong enough to make the plays, but they they do not have the mental capacity to do anything. So before we signed on here, start recording, I had told uh, Mike and Jared that I had rewatched the game and taken some notes, and I was specifically looking at the offensive line. All okay? right, let's do it. And I was looking at the running backs, and I was looking at Adrian. Okay. Out of 23 rushes for the running backs, 13 times the running back had made contact with a player behind the line of scrimmage. Mm. So he was hit before he even made it to the line of scrimmage. Now that includes running into the back of an offensive lineman. (laughs) That includes uh, a Michigan State player just getting back there willy-nilly like 13 times out of 23. And you know, since you know it's not Step back there, it's Ramirez. Yeah. There's yeah. no yak. There's no yards after contact. No. There. There's, and there's none. I, that brings up another point that I saw. Okay. okay. Johnson was getting thrown around in pass, pass protection. Okay. When you have an offensive line that has shown you after four games that they can't protect the quarterback, why do we have a running back back there that can't add to the pass protection? It was Gabe. That's Gabe. why Gabe was playing. Yeah. That's but why even, Gabe even, was playing. even, even step would be a better option. If it look, if you're not going to run the football with the running back, bring Yant out there. It's it's just you don't have an offensive line, so you put out you put out a guy that you guys said was too small to play in the Big Ten. Well, and if you don't even have to put a running back back there at that point, like you see it in the NFL and stuff too, just bring a tight end back there. He's a threat in the pass game, and if you really need him to pass pro, he's one of the best blockers on the team. So I don't see why you don't get crazy and. Help your quarterback out because guess what? If the tight end is blocking or isn't blocked, he can go out and be your quarterback's safety net. You know, so yeah. not like that's a normal thing. I understand that. It's not a normal thing. But when we're going, you know, no backs in the backfield and Adrian's 90% of the time running a quarterback sneak, who cares if you're going fast, pull your tight end back there and just let him pass pro because, you know, your 180-pound running back, Ramir Johnson, just he looks okay as far as a running back goes, whenever he gets a little bit of space. Yeah. But when the offensive line isn't doing you any favors, you can't have a 185 soaking wet pound guy back there trying to protect your number one asset on the offense. Yeah. Who is turnover prone. Right. Well, and another thing that I wanted to talk about as well was Morrison and Johnson together, they averaged like 4.5 yards a carry. Which is pretty freaking good. I think the team was at four for the game. Yeah. So I mean that's yeah. Fine. So that's that's okay, right? But your quarterback ran twenty four times. Yeah. Between him and uh, who came? Uh, Smothers. Smothers. Yeah. Well, when that's your best play and he's your best runner. Yeah. What What did we say at the beginning of the year? What did we expect? Did we expect it to be different? No. What did we say Dang at the beginning it. of the year? Your quarterback can't run more than your running backs, and that's what's happened in damn near every game. So we did get a message from Tyler, and this kind of goes on the O-line talk that we're talking about right now. Uh, he tweeted at us because we asked before the episode if there's anything you guys want to hear about. So shout out to Tyler. But he said, I've heard a lot of people complaining about special teams and the offensive line not improving. What they don't see is the fact that the offensive line didn't have a single penalty in the second half, if I remember right, looking back at my notes. So let's talk about that a little bit. We went back. We played in Norman. False start, false start, false start. We go to East Lansing, same shit, different toilet. False start, false start, holding. I mean, the offensive line was still making penalties. Okay, did they play better in the second half? Maybe. I I don't know. Technically, they probably did, yeah. But that's also a low bar you're setting. Yeah, I mean, if, if you go back to the numbers that we just talked about, Adrian was sacked nine times, okay? He was sacked nine times. The offensive line is straight trash, Yes, Tyler. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like I know you're trying to find that that light at the end of the tunnel, dude. But offensive line wise, nah. Special teams wise, nah. And I don't think I I I think that yeah, you're right. I think Tyler's trying to find like the like the the one positive maybe. Like oh hey, look like they did okay at one half, but it just it doesn't matter when. You're not you're not when it doesn't matter when it's just a one off situation where your offensive line doesn't screw everything up. And so then the special teams, okay, right now I think what I read was the average punting yards 
is like 33 yards. Yeah, I think it was 30. It's like 30. Including it's a... like it's like 30 to 35, okay? Those are those are high school averages. You're in, and that's including a 7 7 yard punt too. Okay, yeah. 7 yard punt. So that means the kid down at Millard South <laughs> on Friday night is going to ki- is going to punt it on average 30 yards, 35 yards. Why is this why are we having these issues? I just, I can't imagine, I feel like I could walk out right now and I could go punt the ball 30 yards. Well, it, I, I, I promise you I can punt it further in seven. Yeah, that that was rough. It's just like, and, and it's not like he was a freshman. Either. The guy that punted at seven yards is William Pristep, who had a boot against Oklahoma. And I was like, oh yeah, he's probably going to get the start this week. We said it last week. Yeah. He'll probably get the start. And then what does he do? He punts the ball seven yards. Come on. like If you're not punting at seven yards, then you're punting it to the wrong side of the field. It's just, look, there are some college football staffs out there that don't need a special teams coach. This one does. It does. They need all of the dedicated time by a single individual to get better at special teams. We gave, well, we, not we, but Nebraska fans gave Bruce Reed a lot of crap under Riley. Nebraska is damn near the worst. In their special teams index rating. It's like 121. Like our our friend, who's a Iowa State fan. Yeah. He was saying, oh, Iowa State's is worse. And we're like, no way. Iowa State is probably the only school that's worse. Wow. Well, <laughs> like literally, like numbers wise. It's this staff in particular needs a special teams coach for whatever reason. I don't know what's, if it's because they're not doing it enough or they're doing it enough but they're doing it wrong. I don't know. I don't know which one it is, but you've tried this for going on four years and you had the opportunity to make the change. You had people around you saying, Hey Scott, it's probably a good idea to get a guy that specializes in this and is dedicated to this and is able to coach them on the field. And he didn't do it. And we banged that drum. I mean, on this, on this show, we have talked about it. Until our faces turned blue and it didn't happen. And we thought, okay, well, they're good. They focused on it a lot in the offseason. And it's still, this is what it's I'm worse. This is what I'm worried about is you've spent the whole offseason saying it's a, it's a focus. We recognize that's what we do. First thing. First thing is practice special teams and it's worse. So what does that say about your ability to coach then? I don't know. If you spent all this time on it, shouldn't it be better? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. It's worse. Yeah. What does that say about you as a coach then? Like, that's damning, dude. And it's biting you in the worst way. Like, special teams is an overlooked thing. But when you have a dude taking it to the house untouched, like, he didn't even need to accelerate. He didn't. He didn't go left or right. (laughs) He literally (laughs) ran a straight line. (laughs) 50 yards. And I've never seen. Amazing. A punt coverage where you're just trapping one side of the field. I don't think I've ever you know, seen anything like this before where there's not one guy on the entire <laughs> left side of the field. Like, yeah, I think technically, yeah, Cerny probably screwed up and kicked it to the wrong dude. But yeah, you're right. I've also never seen just ever, just mindless zombies. Like, you ever you ever play a video game where you throw a rock and the zombie goes, Arr! And it, and it chases after the rock, and then you scoot away. Yeah. That's what that was like, dude. It was They were just a bunch of mindless zombies running towards the other boy, when yeah. old boy. You just- can hear it, too. <laughs> the whole crowd started cheering as soon as the punt left his foot because they watched our whole football team go to the right, and they're watching the ball go to the left, and the guy just <laughs> waiting for it. And then just greenery. Yeah. Hey, no no worries, though. Uh, if we want to highlight a player, he uh, won Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week. For catching one return and running a straight line for a touchdown. No conference opponent should ever win special teams player of the week. There's no player that we should, that we play should ever receive that honor because I think it would be an insult. I've got, I've got one last note on, I've got one last note on, uh, on special teams. Okay. Okay. Uh, Cause I'm And this, this perfectly sums up everything that you need to know about Nebraska special teams. Okay. Okay. They have they have the sideline interference on that punt, okay? And they said, okay, you can do it on the on the PAT. You can add the 15 yards there, or you can add it to the kickoff. 
So, of course, Scott's oh. like, okay, yeah, you guys go ahead and kick the PAT, give us extra 15 yards, and we're going to go down this fuck, this thing and win it, right? Wrong. Uh, no. they Dude, they, you get extra 15 yards, you field it at the one, and you run it to the 16. That, that is... Thank what? You. Thank you, because I, I even put a note in my phone, like, WTF, even when you get it in an advantageous position, you don't even get it out to the freaking 20-yard line. And that's the kind of thing Scott Frost has to be thinking to himself. Like, it's almost physically impossible for that thing to have, like, something like that to happen like that. You can't find a dude to catch, like, a catch a punt. So you can't even find, like, a Santino Panico to just go back on a punt and just catch it, right? We have Toure back there. Yeah. It could be a lot worse. Like, you could have CTB back there, again, stumbling and bumbling and fumbling. You could have Tommy Turnover back there. But, you know, it's Toure, just letting it kind of bounce, and then you're losing hella field position yards. Hella hidden yards, like Scott Frost said. You can't find just one dude to just at least catch the ball. Is well, it is it the staff not finding the talent, not recognizing what talent to fit where? Uh, I don't know. I think it's just like little band-aids they're trying to put on this special teams because now they're talking about, okay, Will Nixon's going to go back there. Right. Will Nixon. Okay. You got to imagine that all of these guys were, you know, they were the best player on their high school team. And 90% of these guys, I guarantee you, were the kick returner, the punt returner, the running back, the receiver, the quarterback. They probably played everywhere because in high school, generally, if you're the best player, they want you to touch the ball as many times as you can. Right. So... Getting Will Nixon involved, we'll see. Maybe he's our freaking savior. Maybe he is our next DeMornay. Shout out to DeMornay. Thank you for coming on the show again. Indeed. But we need to find a guy who can just catch the ball and not lose yards for us, not fumble it. Like Oliver Martin comes back this week. I imagine it will be taken care of unless he gets hurt again. Oliver Martin should be back for Northwestern. He'll be back there. He's going to catch the ball. No fuss. Probably not run the ball back or anything like that. I'm okay with that. The hidden right. yards should go away. That should be no longer a problem. Kickoffs are no longer a problem. Punting and field goals. What the fuck? <laughs> and that brings up our sponsor. <laughs> yeah. So let's smooth. shift into something Real smooth. Something a little bit world-class because obviously our special teams is not world-class. Well, this world-class in every glass, what I'm sipping, I got that gimme s'more from Nebraska Brewing Company. And what is Gimme S'more? Can can you describe that, Jared? Well, yeah. I mean, if I had the can, Kyle's got the can. I know it's a brown ale. It's got the, some of that graham cracker taste. Let me read it to you. Read it. It says, this uniquely flavored brown ale introduces the campy favorite s'more to craft beer. The aromic flavors, marshmallows, chocolate, and graham, derived from malt and vanilla transports you in time to your last or future outdoor excursion. Wonderful at any time. And they are 100% right. Like when I took the first sip of this beer, hmm. and by the way, this beer was canned today. I went in there and picked it up today, and they said, hey, we're really excited. We just canned s'mores, and we want you to take some and talk about it. And I was like, good. shit, yeah, we did, because good. I'm going to drink the shit out of that. <laughs> and so when I'm drinking this beer, I seriously feel like I'm camping, like it's it's a fall. The, the fire's yeah. out. I just burned my marshmallow and I suck it on my graham cracker. That's what that tastes like. It is just, it is good. It's, it is a really good beer. And like Connor said, they're not in the business of making bad beer. So shout out to Nebraska Brewing Company on that. Yeah, if you go to their tap room, of course it's on tap. You can also get a little six pack of cans. We highly suggest that you do that. Um, their tap room is out on 108th and Harrison in La Vista, Nebraska. Um. Yeah, dude. I mean, this beer, like you said, man, it's just everyone loves the thought of like sit by a bonfire in the fall, a little chill in the air. This is this is this is that. Well, and in a, in a beer, this is that. And you being a redhead, you don't like to go outside, so it's like well, the sun's down. You dude. can drink it. The sun is evil. <laughs> you can drink that and stay at home. <laughs> I get the bonfire. Yeah, on the comfort of my own. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so stop by the tap room. Let let them know no block, no rock sent you. Heck yeah, and like they say, Nebraska Brewing Company, world class in every glass. But uh, Northwestern, let's talk about the cats, the fighting Fitzies, and the Fitzies have given us lots of problems. Yeah. I think we played them ten times, and the record is five and five. Isn't that just on brand? It is just like on- what more, you know. 
What's what's the line for this? Is it eleven and a half? We're favored eleven and a half. That's scary. That's too much. No. You know, There's no way. Vegas has been like pulling their hair out. They have no idea what to do with this Nebraska team. <laughs> and before we really dive into Northwestern, I was talking to Kyle about this. I've never felt this way about a Nebraska team. We'll pump a little sugar on this on this team, which maybe they deserve it, maybe they don't. I've never seen a Nebraska team where they could beat any team in the country and lose to any team in the country every given week. It just it just does depend. It just depends, I guess, on what happens in the game. But they have the talent to compete with anybody. They have the defense to compete with anybody, and still. They, they could lose any game and win any game. They have I, the special teams to lose to anyone. Oh, 100%. And I don't, and it's weird. So looking at the schedule, if we would have shifted back a few weeks ago when, when we were doing our schedule breakdown, I was scared of Ohio State. I was scared of Wisconsin. I was scared of Michigan. I was scared of Iowa. I wasn't scared of Iowa. I so said we're going to beat them, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you know, you look at those games, I'm like, God, you know, I just, it's a tough schedule. Now I look at it, I'm like, I'm not scared of Ohio State. They could, they, I'm not scared of Michigan. I'm not scared of Iowa. I'm not scared of any of these teams because we can beat any of those teams. But we can very well lose to any of those teams, especially this week against Northwestern, because they are well coached and we are not. They could win any of them and they can lose. Well, hold on. They could win any. They could lose all. This is the just the type of team it is. Yeah. Like it's weird. The defense is the best it's been in eleven years since Sue and Company, right? Mm-hmm. The offense, when when it shows up. There's some wonky play calling. There's some Brody Belt going over the middle to catch a 30-yard pass and then disappears. And then you got Omar. Like some of the, even despite all that kind of wonkery on the play calling side, the offense is fine. Yeah. Right? Like it's the defense that I am most hopeful about and that they're going to lean on. Putting all your chips on. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I'm not much of a better. That's why that reference just could not. (laughs) Um, but Northwestern looks pretty rough. They yeah. look rough. You could argue this is probably like the worst Northwestern team under Pat Fitzgerald in a long time. But at the same time, we're still talking about a Nebraska team that is snake-bitten, if you want to call it that, that does shoot itself in the foot, which Northwestern usually doesn't do. So, yeah, I, th- I think Nebraska will win. You know, and I think I think it'll it'll be a, a good win. I think it'll be like 30, 30, 21, something like that. Like I think they'll score enough points, and I think that they're gonna they can't allow Northwestern to score more than three touchdowns. You think that Northwestern's offense, who's been abysmal this year? Now keep in mind, even though Northwestern scores twenty one, that doesn't mean the defense gives it all up. Okay, touche. I'm saying touche. I, I honestly think so their their quarterback situation is Abysmal. awful to say the <laughs> least. Yeah, I was gonna say that, but I feel like I say that like in every episode. But uh I think this D I think the defense is going to absolutely destroy Northwestern. I think if I'm the defense, I'm I'm pissed off. And guess who's about to get gonna be at the receiving end of that? It's gonna be Northwestern. And I think Pat Fitzgerald understands that. And I think this quarterback's going to have a really, really hard day. Well, I hope the defense adopts your way of thinking in- instead of the other way, which is no matter what we freaking do, we're going to lose anyway. Right. You know? Right. I don't think they will. I don't think they'll adopt that because you got experienced dudes over there. They want to make a freaking bowl game. You know? I, I mean, at the end of the day, if if I'm if I'm Nebraska and I'm looking at what we've done so far this year, right? We hang in there with Oklahoma, should have won that game. We hang in there with Michigan State. I mean, we didn't just hang in there. We fucking destroyed them, but we still lost. You're still in the conversation for the West. Yeah, technically you if, are. If you start if you just start winning games. Yeah. Just start over and over and over again. You're still in the conversation. Something that this staff has never done. You're asking this team to do something. That it's not, that it hasn't done in a long time, and I don't think that's fair. Yeah, I don't think yeah. that's fair. Like string a lot of wins together in a row, and and like have some sort of like identity. Which, once again, going back to what you just said, I don't think this team's done this in a long time. This team hasn't had an identity. You could argue since Bo Pelini. I think we're getting there, though. I would argue this team does have an identity. It's just not a good one. 
Yeah. It's a, this team knows how to lose. Yeah. They know how to lose games. Yeah. Losing is just kind of easy for them. They fall into L's. Even when they have dubs in hand, they fall into losses. They know how to lose. That's the culture. Yeah. Culture. Could it change? Could the, it change? Yeah. The, sure. The thought is, and I mean, what what better opponent to do it against the Northwestern? Say say they come out on Saturday and they just blow the fucking socks off these dudes. Especially right? since they never do. They never do. It's so always a close game. Yeah. Say they come out here. They know it. The players said it in their press conference this week. They're like, look, this is always a really close game. They always play us really hard. Imagine they come out there and they win by three scores. I feel really good. I, if the offense actually shows that they have some sort of pulse and they can actually sustain long drives and finish with touchdowns and not miss field goals or anything like that or just penalties that kill you at the end of your drives or kill you before you can even get it started, I would feel really good if the defense balls out again like I expect them to and then the offense actually balls out. This is the type of game where if you don't finish – your drives, or if you don't finish in the red zone with six or more, this is the type of game where Northwestern creeps up on you and they wait for you to turn the ball over. And then they'll kick a field goal to win it. It's just, they're that type of team. They're that scrappy, gym rat team. Yeah. You know? And Do we? Okay. So, Jared, you talked about your score prediction. What was it again? 30-20. Uh, 30-20. I said 30-21, but I'm doing 30-20. Okay, so you're going with 30-20. Yeah. I'm going to say that the offense shows up, I think, and it's going to be 38-13. So pretty pretty handily. Okay, yes. yeah. I'm going to say I'm going to say 28-10 Nebraska. Okay. Yeah. I just don't I just don't think that I don't think Northwestern's offense is going to be able to handle this defense and I think Pat realizes that. Well, and I I think the defense will get a score this week. Ooh. So, we'll look out for that next week when we talk about it. But we got this this question uh from one of our listeners here on the Instagram. So let's let's hear what they have to say. On the Instagram machine. The, the okay. Insta. So <clears throat> it's uh Daniel O'Neill. He says Is it six and six or out the door for Frost? If not, what do you believe Trev Albert's mandates uh going into twenty twenty two? And my answer to that is mm-hmm. I don't believe that. I, I think that I think Scott has another year. Ugh. Uh well I okay. I should say if they don't win another game, right? I think Scott is done. Yes. But if you know it's similar to what we've seen last year, I think the big difference between this year and last year and the reason he's going to have a little bit of leeway heading into 2022 is the fact that we have not been blown out. Okay, Oklahoma should have been the one to blow us out, okay? Ohio State should be one to to blow us out. Rel- you know, theoretically speaking, what they've done to us in the past. Michigan right. destroyed us a couple years ago. So if you say, you know, by the end of the year, if we're going toe-to-toe with Oklahoma, you're going toe-to-toe with Ohio State, Michigan, I mean, I Trev Alberts, it's first year, right? He's not He's not going to come in and fire Scott Frost on his first year if he's seeing progress, which I think we are. So, well, so are, are we talking about what we think is going to happen yes. or what we want to no, happen? No, we're going to talk about what we think is going to happen okay. and what number... What, how many wins does Scott need to have? We said at the beginning of the year, you know, I think he, it's bowl game or bust. Okay. Do you still think that's the case? I, I'm kind of, I'm leaning with Kyle on this. I don't think it is. I think barring a disaster, barring going over, I think he's staying. Maybe like, I think you might, you have to win Purdue. You have to win Purdue. If you don't win Purdue, like if you go over, he's out. If um, you lose to Northwestern, it might be a different conversation. Yeah. This is a down Northwestern team. Yeah, it's, um, that's tough. So what I think will, not what I think should, but what I think will is I think if he goes over, he's out. If he wins, if there's one thing about Nebraska, right? They go on national television and they embarrass themselves. And like you said, they have not done that. They have been competitive. They've been relatively watchable, save for embarrassing Sprinkles here and there. So unless he goes over, I think he will be retained next year. He has to make changes. Yes. Yep. I think. I think. I think think Trev's already saying that's going to be a prerequisite. If he doesn't make changes, no matter what. If he doesn't like, if if Trev goes, uh, you need to get a special teams dude in here, and Scott goes, uh, nah, he's out. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. 
Okay. So I'm going to go with you guys and say, yeah, I think, I think Scott, the magic number for Scott is five. I think he has to get to five. That's finding three here in, in the remaining schedule. Now, one thing that Trev Albert said tonight, and this is, this is pretty live this for the most part. Hot. Trev said, Coach Frost is going to have to earn fans trust that the staff can fix special teams. Until special teams change and improve, we got to earn that. We've, we've had issues in kicking. We've had issues in receiving. That's two glaring, obvious things. So your AD is already saying, Scott, I guarantee, and they have talks. They meet every Thursday or something. Scott and, and Trev meet every week. So your AD is already saying, you need to earn your fans' respect back. You need to fix special teams. And you know those conversations. Trev Alberts isn't dumb. He's a football guy. The guy loves football. One of the best to ever play here. He doesn't like to see this shit. You know, he probably hurt more than we did, which is really hard to believe. But he probably hurt more than we did against Michigan State. So, I think five is the magic number. And I think there is no scenario where everybody is retained on this staff unless you went out. Yeah. Um, Just regarding Trev, and we might have talked about this before, and a lot of people do, but it's just he is uniquely positioned to fire Scott, even if it's after this year. He cut the wrestling program at UNO. Okay, he got a lot of flack for that. He is not afraid to make the changes he needs to make. And I think when he was hired, like, I think there was some chess being played. Like, it's a Nebraska guy firing a Nebraska guy. It's not I coursed firing it's it's you know, a, a Nebraska guy. It's validation to the people surrounding the university. Like Look, it, if it's yeah. a Nebraska guy firing a Nebraska guy and it's not some guy from California firing a Nebraska yeah. guy, yeah. it's validation and it's an excuse like, oh, well, I mean. If, if you're a Nebraska fan and Trev fires Scott, what you think is, oh, he must have a good reason for that because he's only looking out for the best of the program. Yeah, he's He Nebraska loves this guy. program. He loves this program more, more than I do. Yeah. So – he he must have had a very good reason for for firing Scott. I trust his guidance. Yeah. So I think he is uniquely positioned more than literally anybody else, like in the whole freaking world, unless you're To. Yeah. Well, and speaking of To, there's that thing they've been teasing this 255 thing that Tom Osborne they got like a logo and everything set up what do you guys think that's about I heard maybe that they're going to add another sport like a women's sport or something maybe no I don't know what's going to happen here you look like you know no they're renovating the stadium bet you okay they're 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 finally going to answer the requests of literally all 80,000 people that show up to the games every Saturday which means you guys have alcohol's coming you you guys look the stadium has what 95,000 seats in it, something like that. 90,000. And on average, you guys have 80,000 people show up. Make some room for everybody, okay? We don't need we don't need 95,000 seats. <laughs> we don't need it. Make room. But why that logo? What is that logo? Yeah, what is the logo? It's like they the look three, like pillars. The the it looks like a Roman numeral 3. It's just I don't know what that freaking means. Yeah. Um, we'll have to talk know. about that next week. I think it's supposed to be announced Saturday or Friday? I thought it was the thirtieth. So no, tomorrow. 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 Yeah, tomorrow okay. at two fifty-five. So you know, we're recording this beforehand, but those are our guesses. But I, I think we we did enough tonight yes. to kind of, you know, we don't like to do these negative these negative episodes. It's just it's tough, and you guys, a lot of you sitting there, know it. Like it, it is tough to watch. We we're gonna support this team no matter who the coach is. You know, I hope they went out. We all hope they went out. And, you know, we have exciting things to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think they have, like I said before, I think they have the skill. They have the talent. And their defense is good enough. They could win any, any game this year. But they could also lose every game because we saw that on Saturday. So, Indeed. Mike, beautifully said. Um, before we sign off, we just want to encourage you to visit our website, nbnrpodcast.com. You have all types of content on there. You got Rob Morrissey's blog, Up and In. You've got past episodes. We got videos on there too. That if you want to watch our faces, if that's Yuck. your thing, you know if that's your thing. Um, please go to that website, nbnrpodcast.com. Um, we are always on Twitter at nbnrpodcast. Um, visit our Instagram page. Yeah, yeah we need we need that. more. We need more. We need pillars. Yeah, we need. That, yeah, we need know? to make a logo like specifically for our Instagram, kind of like that. Yeah, follow 
NBNR Instagram. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that to Kyle's View Productions. There you go. Yeah, All right, we'll get something whipped up. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, let's sign off. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. And Kyle Byers. And as always, beat Northwestern, please. <laughs> GPR.